Hey, Star Wars fans, Pete here from Comic Books Transformed, and I am with my good friend, Brian, Mr. Core's hair. Brian, there was a Core's hair in this episode of The Mandalorian today, wasn't there? Yes, and you know, there have been plenty of times when people have said, hey, you spelled your name wrong. Wow. Yeah. Those people sound like fun. Is I, that on I, I'm assuming they use that kind of tone because it was like online or something like that, but like, you know. Yes. <laughs> well, what's what's the genesis of Core's hair, by the way? Because I know oh, like... John Edwards. It's Core's hair, Corson's hair. Because I had big giant hair, like I took my hockey helmet off, and my hair was just like all over the place. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's it's a terrible origin, but for some reason it's stuck and it's unique, and I can always use it, except for one place. I uh, is it Instagram? Instagram. It was taken. I, I slept on Instagram for so long, and my exact name was taken by. Uh, a a barber. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. Does he look yeah. like a pirate? No. Oh, that would be cooler. But I always thought of Corsair, the guy from X Men. You know, Cyclops' dad. Yeah, if I was like cooler, I would have like said that because like, you know, obviously we both we're both you know Cyclops fans and all that. Um, but no, that that's the legit origin of it, and I, it just stuck because it's a. Uh, I can always get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it always works. That's cool, man. Yeah, my uh, nickname I've always had, like, Anchor Pete, and I, I pretty much just use it for myself. Just some guy in a comic book store called me that, you know. Um, he, but I, 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 it's good. It's a good name, though. <laughs> it's weird. I, I still don't know the basis. He never told me the origin. Like, you at least have the thing where you take off your helmet and you have big, puffy hair. Like, he just said, your name's Anchor. And I'm like, okay, you know. <laughs> like, like it was it was a comic book store on Staten Island. I know you know this. I'm just telling it's our watchers. But, like, it was comic book Jones, and everyone that was, like, a regular was something Jones. And so, because you were, you were a corner point of keeping that store going and alive. I'm hoping it's that. Started. I'm hoping it's not, like, because Anchorman had come out recently. And I know that sometimes I literally point out things very literally. Like, oh, this is what we're doing. And I don't know if <laughs> – it's probably a stretch. It's probably a stretch. Anyway, people are probably wondering what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> As per usual, uh, we are talking about, just for today, The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 5, because there's nothing else going on, right? That's correct. Okay. There's, there's a bit of a content drought, and we don't know what we're going to cover next. Yes. Maybe something old, who knows? Hey, and if you guys want to give suggestions, too, I always love when you guys leave comments. I'd love to know what would you guys like us to cover. Um, so, Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 5, the episode's called The Pirate. And it's chapter 21 of the book of Din Djarin, right? So uh, did you like the actual pirate that they're referring to? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, he reminds me of kind of like like Pizza the Hut. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. But he's moss instead of pizza. Um, like a... Yes, I did. Like, it's – to me, that's like, you know, there is that aspect of goofy Star Wars, mm -hmm. you know, that has like weird creatures and stuff. And that's like it, – it, it, it fits to me and it works for me. Yes, yes. I think that uh, in the book, uh, the book of Boba Fett and this show, they've really ramped up the goofy Star Wars stuff. Like they really play that up a lot. Yes, and this, uh, this episode in particular too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. He kind of was like Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs, and then also Swamp Thing, right? Oh, that's even better call. Yeah, I mean, but like, I, I guess he was the shape was more like Pizza the Hut to me, right? So, and I was expecting to hear. You know, sh sh what was it? Shard? Shard's gonna order out for you, or some some cheesy line, uh, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gorian Shard. Shard. Yeah. I, I was wanna I was wanna say um, Shand instead of Shard for some reason. Okay. 
Luckily, he wasn't brown, and they called him Gorian Shart. That would have been bad, you know? But anyway. Oh, um, I would have laughed. Yes, yes. Um, so, talking about weird aliens that are in this episode, we actually get a cameo from an animated character. We get uh, Zeb Aurelios. And now, you've never watched Rebels, right? I have not, but I, I, I am familiar with the character, and I'm familiar with uh, another character of that race. Uh, who, who's he's a Lasat. Um, and I, I was always fascinated with, I remember when, when Rebels first came out and they were announcing the characters, I, I remember reading about it. I never got around to watching the shows, but, um, I always thought it was cool that they designed this character after the original, uh, Ralph McQuarrie Chewbacca designs. I know. So I, that, that little nugget always like lived rent free in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, do you think that he translated well into live action? Yeah, it was cool because it was the same voice actor, Steve Bloom. Um, he, it was... You know, probably most famous for uh, being Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop uh, and, um, you know, some other major characters across all, some of our fandoms like Wolverine and Starscream. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so attracted to this man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's done so many more than that, too. But that that just like scratches the surface. I completely forgot that he's the voice of Starscream in Transformers Prime. That is correct, yeah. Because that because that, that Starscream is very much like Starscream, but he's also very different from Starscream too. At least, yeah, like, aesthetically, and then his voice is different too. Yeah, uh, obviously they they can't have the same voice uh, as the original or anything like that. I mean, they, they've had plenty of different voice actors for every character really in Transformers, but um, I think he had a, he had an excellent portrayal of, of him in Transformers Prime. Yeah, hell yeah, well, that, that makes me appreciate that scene even more. And in that scene, so so basically what happens is um, you have these, like, uh, rangers that serve the New Republic. They're sort of like what the Rebellion has turned into now that the Empire is gone. And uh, they land on their planet, which I believe is called Adelphi. When they get there, um, we have this character that's been in both the Book of Boba Fett and also uh, the Mandalorian. His name's Carson Teva. And um, in that bar that he goes to, he runs into Zeb, but then he also... Um, there's also other people that made a cameo. Did you know that there were other? I didn't actually. I, I saw your notes on it, and I didn't. I, I I guess I was just paying attention to Zeb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it, it's it's kind of crazy because like I don't know who these other people are, but like Dave Filoni was there, and I I didn't even like recognize him or see him. But he had a, a cool name. His name, the character's name was Trapper Wolf. It's not very Star Warsy. The, the next one is uh... wait, no, 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 that's that's an existing character, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, then there's also a director and one of the executives, I think, of this show. His name's Rick uh, Fumiyawa, and he played Jib Dodger. That's that's a more Star Wars-y kind of sounding name. Yeah. And then the Obi-Wan showrunner, Deborah Chow, is in there as Sash Ketter. And that's that's a very Star Wars name, too. Huh. Sash Ketter. <clears throat> um, but what did you think about those Rangers and like just kind of the way that the New Republic felt in that scene? Um, so every time I see these characters, uh, I, I always think about the, the, the failed spinoff, which I, I assume it was supposed to be like the Cara Dune spinoff with the new yeah, Republic. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that Carson Tiva would have been a big part of that. And I guess that fell through because they run her out of the show. Um, so I, I guess they're just kind of, you know, bulking up their presence here. Uh, maybe if they're going to see if they can still spin it off somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I always thought that like that, that actor looked familiar and I, I did not know where he came from but you mentioned that he's from um kim's convenience which is the same place that Simo leo is from yes yes 
um, which is kind of cool. And, and I think that's probably where I, I sort of look familiar from. I've, although I've, I haven't seen much of that show. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the character. I, I like, I actually really like this episode a lot. I, I've had some issues with the last two, but right. they seemed a little scattered and, and, and all that. But um, yeah, I, I feel like it's coming together. Like they started weaving together all the plot threads of all the previous episodes in, in here. And I really like this episode a lot. I liked it too. Um, I don't. I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. Like, did you think that when you're watching it, that at first did you think that like Mando was going to be absent from it completely? Um. Yes. Yeah. Because obviously we we've, we've seen that happen with other characters. You know, we we had the episode that was completely uh, well, not completely, but it was mostly centered on uh, Doctor Pershing. Doctor Pershing. Uh, you know, we had the two Mandalorian episodes in Boba Fett, with, where Boba Fett does not even appear in one of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't have doesn't have a line in the other. Right. Um, so, it's it's like par for the course, I suppose. But he he was there. Uh, he had a presence, and I, I think they're. Uh, I can start to see what they could be weaving together with all these plot points. So, you know, with with the the Children of the Watch, with Bo Katan, with the Mythosaur, with the New Republic, with Moff Gideon. And these, uh, and and I, I kind of, I'm interested to see where it goes now. Or, yeah. or, or at the very least, I think I'll be satisfied with where I think it's going. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about where it's going and what it's building up to. But before we get to that, I just want to make this one point that um, before Star Wars was purchased by Disney and we saw the expanded universe, you would get like novels that had like sort of a generic title they weren't like specified like oh this is about the jedi or this is about the sith or this is about rogue squadron it was just like star wars you know path to darkness or something and it would have a bunch of different characters and it would be just like an ongoing story from novel to novel and you have these supporting characters that you would never seen in any of the live action movies but they were introduced in these novels and you kind of knew them um, just if you kept up with the books, right? And they did this with the comics too. They had like Star Wars Legacy and they had Star Wars, I believe it was called Knights of the Old Republic, the comic, or it was Star Wars, the Old Republic, the comic. But um, it, it always seemed like it was always about a time period of Star Wars versus like specific people. And uh, there's always kind of like, well, this is like the time of the empire and this is the new Republic time. And this is after the new Republic. Um and that's what these shows are starting to feel like to me. They're starting to feel like this thing where it's like, oh, this is just Star Wars the show. And it's like it's telling about this specific time, which is this like post-Empire, pre-sequel era time. Did you kind of get that vibe too? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's basically less Mandalorian-centric and more New Republic era-centric. And I, right. and I, I like that, I, I think. Um I think it's good to kind of diversify what you're focusing on here. And, and you know, there is a cohesive theme with the time period and it, it works for me. I mean, I'm a sucker for expanded universes and, and living, breathing worlds. you know, the, yes. the more characters there are that exist, the, the more I like it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I mean, it just feels that way when like Carson Teva, it, like we're focusing on him and we're not even up to the Mandalorian until like, I don't know, like halfway through the episode or almost halfway through the episode and then um, you have this one scene where it's like, uh, what do you call it, Elia Kane. They bring her back for a couple of minutes, and she's with Tim Meadows. And uh, basically, Carson Betta meets with this guy named Tuttle, 
and Tuttle is another one of these New Republic bureaucrats. And we're getting this vibe of like, okay, the New Republic is sort of stretched thin. They don't want to be like the Empire. They're they're definitely trying to like uh, tune down like their military and, and not have that kind of presence. They want to go back to the way the Republic was. And um, you're seeing like a lot of sort of cracks in the system or cracks in the foundation. That, that makes more sense. <laughs> um, but... You know, I, I think it's kind of cool to see this character of um, Aliyah Kane come back and then she's sort of influencing the plot. Um, did, when you saw Tim Meadows' character of Tuttle, did you get taken out because it was play, he was played by Tim yeah. Meadows? Yeah, I have this. I have a problem with that, These the stunt casting in the show generally. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer when they're character actors and they, they kind of fit with the scenery. I love Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows is hysterical. Uh, he is normally a great addition to anything he's in, but... Um, I, I I see him as more of a comedic actor. You know, like I hear his voice, I'm expecting a punchline, you know? Right, right. Agreed, agreed. Did you think it was sort of a stretch that uh, the R5 unit was what told uh, Carson Veda where um, the where Mando was? Um, no, I actually really appreciate it, to be perfectly honest. The the, the, the long, crazy history, when we talked about this when, when he first appeared in the second episode, or was it yeah. the first? I don't remember. But, you know, just the fact that that was the, the, the droid that broke down in A New Hope and he was part of the rebellion and all this other like like hidden history. Again, it's world building and I, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, I, I, I appreciated that it, it just added an extra layer for it, that character to be there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think it was kind of cool. And it sort of made sense now. It made more sense that like. I thought that when he was in that episode where they went to Mandalore, that he was there just so that Din could talk to someone besides Grogu. But now it's like giving him more things to do, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I kept talking about Elijah Kane. And obviously there's this sort of bigger overarching plot line that you've kind of referenced, which is like her, um, I guess, still working with Moff Gideon, right? Like, that's what you think, right, at this point? Oh, yeah. She's definitely evil still, yeah. 100%. yeah. yeah. I'm still confused as to the motivations for uh, her actions against Dr. Pershing. I, I guess it's covering up evidence, sort of, in yeah. a way. But I, yeah. I don't understand exactly why. Um, she is uh, her placement in that scene is very telling that she is still in cahoots with the Empire. Um, and I, and I, I'm I'm wondering if if there's someone more involved here than just Moff Gideon, someone mm -hmm. larger that we've uh, that's been teased before. That we were expecting in another show, but maybe maybe appearing earlier. So you're saying Grand Admiral Thrawn? I I, I think so. Like I, with when you put all the combined things together here, you have uh, her presence in in the New Republic hierarchy. Uh, you have the the bombing of Bo-Katan's like palace. You have the the escape of Moff Gideon. The the the, the plant which I believe to be planted Beskar alloy. Um. Uh, in that, in his, his transport ship that was hijacked, I'm, I'm thinking that someone else has to be perpetrating this, someone larger. That and it wouldn't do it justice if it wasn't a character that we know we know about. Like it yeah. was just some other random new character. I don't think it would work. It needs to be something big that we're sort of aware of and that would be mm. exciting. Mm. Otherwise, it would need to be a character we've seen already, and I don't think anybody else fits that bill. Um, did you ever read the? Timothy Zahn Star Wars trilogy that has Thrawn like that was Some like of when them, not all of them okay okay see I can never remember if like Thrawn was like 
pro-emperor or I, I know he was definitely like pro-empire and he wanted the yeah. empire to succeed but i don't know if it was like well we don't need the emperor we have me or like the emperor didn't do a good job and you have me i don't know what he's like in the new canon but like you know we do have this idea that um we're building towards a sequel tr trilogy and that dr pershing's work somehow leads up to snoke right and so it's like they erase pershing's mind or they like scramble his brain and is that basically tying up loose ends or is it sort of like you know we don't want that plan we want to have our own plan you know yeah it it, it, it very well could be and then maybe maybe the reason that you know snoke came out as he did maybe he was like maybe he actually was intended to be a palpatine clone or whatever and maybe it's because dr pershing's mind was all fried here and his his data was kind of corrupted in some manner because of that who knows that's kind of far-fetching i think but um you never know i i, I like connecting loose ends uh, i like the idea of kind of post salvaging the kind of muddy muddy continuity of the the, the sequel trilogy so absolutely yes 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 and i've said this multiple times on our show but like that's one of my favorite parts of star wars just in general star wars fandom is where they're able to like make the things that we don't like or the things that we're kind of disappointed in better like they yep. make the prequels better and they're going to make the sequels better now too um yep. so so you're under the impression that the best the beskar armor that's in that shuttle that that's like planted to make the new republic su uh, suspect the mandalorians yes so uh i read an article about this uh, i, I want to say it was on nerdist and i didn't think about this but he specifically says it's a beskar alloy so an alloy is a mixture of metals and the the Mandalorians, and especially the children to watch are all like very much about purists and religious and they treat the Beskar as like it's like sacred object, essentially. Generally speaking, with the exception of that spear that they had uh, in season two of the Mandalorian, they only use it for armor. So the fact that there's uh, uh, something there that broke off and it's only it's an alloy it makes me feel like it's a plant to make uh and also the fact that carson teva was there the one that defined it there because he's the one that connected the mandalorians to navarro and to help them defend against the pirates i think they're trying to plot pit the new republic against navarro and the mandalorians Ooh, okay that's that's good that's actually a really good point i like what they wrote in the nerdist there like that's interesting that they just use the alloy, not the alloy, the uh, best car for armor and not other stuff. Like, yeah. I, I think one of the things that um, becomes kind of problematic is when we're speculating like this, we're kind of thinking about like, oh, well, this has to happen in the future. So this has to happen. But like, when you're telling a story, it should always be like, what does the character want? What's the goal of the character? And I'm kind of confused by Moff Gideon. Like, I don't get what his goal is like is his goal to bring back the empire i mean i guess i guess that's probably any kind of imperial's goal right but it's like what is what is his method then like is it was it because he had those droids that were super powerful that luke took out in season two yeah. um but it also seems like he was trying to do this cloning thing with uh grogu right yeah which is why i don't understand the elimination of dr pershing Right, like, right. That's what I don't, I don't get. I, that, that doesn't connect for me yet. And right. I'm curious to see where that goes. But I almost see Moff Gideon as like like kind of a, an, an imperial extremist. It's kind of like an offshoot, almost like a like kind of like a Red Skull with the Nazis. Oh, come on. Weren't you going to say that 
Decepticon Justice Division? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the Decepticon Justice Division. Yeah. That's what I was waiting for right there. Yes. The DJD. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. The Decepticon Justice. Well, I mean, they, they were more about hunting down defected Decepticons, you know, like ones that did kind of abandon the cause and the kind of punishing them to kind of keep others in line and, and with the cause. It's like, hey, you know, you screw up that we're going to send these super powerful guys after you to, like torture you to death. Yeah, so they're not exactly the same. I get you. I get you. But, okay, so Red Skull, Hydra, offshoot of the Nazis. I get yeah. you. Okay, so that's what you think about him. So is he trying to bring the Emperor back? Well, I, I, that's where I'm confused because bringing the Emperor back means cloning. I mean, yeah. it's got to be because that, that's how we, we're, we're presented it in Rise of Skywalker. There's cloning bats all over the place. Um, so I, I, there's that, that big disconnect there. But, um, I mean, obviously he's going to be involved to hear something like that. But I don't think that it's going to work if it's just him alone again. Um, you know, he was the main villain in the first two seasons. And it's great that he's recurring, but they need to bring in something bigger. Uh, to, to be to elevate the threat here now, especially that the Mandalorian has so many more allies, yeah, right, right. He's got all the mental, yeah. Well, that's hey, man, that's a good segue right there. So, th this episode, he's able to bring in the other uh Mandalorians to help liberate Navarro. They go, they go to save Carl Weathers. Um, and there's this great moment where they're in the cave, and, and Din is pleading his case. He's saying, Look, I know this guy kind of sent people after me, and they killed some of you guys. And you guys had to live on a in a sewer on his planet, but uh, let's go save him. And then the Riz, the Vizsla guy comes in. and He's like, "Oh, who are we to let this guy do this?" Or, or, or you know, he killed us. And who are we if we were going to go solve him or save him? And he's like, "We're Mandalorians." And and that moment that made me laugh because like, moment, yeah, because his tone like changes. But besides his tone changing, like the musical cue changes yeah. too right? it, was, it, was, it was almost like like a, you know like a, you remember like funny or die like those little videos with like yeah of course yeah it, it was like something like that where it's like it seemed like this but then it's like oh we're mandalore i just i just love that little change there yeah no it was a nice little twist there you think it's going one way and it was like a like you know it got you it got you pumped got everybody pumped really i i, yeah. I really love that speech it was great yeah yeah so the mandalorians go and we finally get that scene where they're jumping out of the ship and we see them with their rocket packs jumping down in the city did you like that sequence where they were yeah. fighting the pirates yeah because they were doing badass stuff like i want them to and they weren't like goofy screw-ups shooting at the water yes yes you know like, like they're they're going in there and they're kicking ass that's that's what like we're supposed to believe that they're very highly trained dangerous people and you know um they haven't proved that really here uh, but in this scene they did they were doing all the badass boba fett stuff and none of the goofy boba fett stuff yes they're doing like grappling hook stuff. There's a lot of grappling. There was uh, a little bit of flame throwing. The one guy's got the fucking Gatling gun, yep. you know, laser pistol. Yeah. I think the coolest part was the armorer with her hammer, just taking people out. Yeah. Just throwing the hammer and knocking people out and stuff. Yeah. Stealth kills. Awesome yeah. stuff. So that brings us to the end. And and the armorer goes back to her old forge. Bo-Katan's there. And the armorer asks Bo-Katan to take off her helmet. Now, that was a very weird scene because it felt so contradictory to what we've seen so far. Do you, do you feel that way, too? Or I did. I was very surprised. I, I thought there was going to be some kind of weird betrayal here because I remember last week I was theorizing that it was, uh, you know, uh, someone else under the under the, the mask there that, we, that was a previous character. Uh, I'm not so sure anymore. 
But really? yeah, I, I was I was afraid for a minute. Yeah. Okay, see, I thought that maybe her being like that would have made you think it was that character. Um, no. Well, yes. Uh, when when she first asked to take the helmet off, yes, I thought so. But based on the outcome of that that scenario, where she's basically saying that you know, you you can walk both paths here. You're one of us, but we need to be we need someone to be the face to unify our people and take back our planet. Yeah. Um, and based on that, I, I think, I mean, it's, I guess it's still possible that it's Rook, Rook cast. Um, and you know, they're, they're just seeing eye to eye before, because they, they, really they did want the same thing. They just went about it in different ways mm -hmm. or different ideals about how to get it done. So um, it still could be that character, but I, I like this turnout here. Um, I, I'm sure it's great because, you know, Katie Sackle probably wants to show her face. Uh, I would like to see Katie Sackle's face. Me too. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that's one of the, the problems I have with the show in the way is that, you know, I, I think the helmet rules got to go. I think it's fine for all the background characters to have their helmets on all the time and everything like that. But, you know, Jim Jarn should be able to take his helmet off. We should be able to see Pedro Pascal. Um, you know, I think the armor is a major character can take his, her helmet off. Same thing with uh, Paz Vizala. Um, I, I, I think, <clears throat> or it, maybe it doesn't have to be everybody, but I, I think it's it's smarter to be able for, for the audience to be able to see the faces of these actors sometimes. They can keep it on most of the time, but just sometimes. Hell yeah. And not be like a horrible sin, you know? I Yeah, I, I totally understand, yeah. It's like iconic characters like Spider-Man. In the comics, we're pretty much used to seeing Spider-Man with his mask on most of the time. But, you know, you want to see that movie star face. And so I think we're kind of used to that. We yeah. want to see these characters with their helmets off. Did you think that the um, armorer was going to take her helmet off after she made Bo-Katan take her helmet off? I, I did actually. Uh, yeah. I was I thought they, they were just going to abolish the whole helmet thing there, but it seems to be only for her at the time being. But yeah. I think that's going to change eventually anyway. Yeah. Because uh, you so said I, I, it may happen, uh, but it's not yet. Because you said last week that the woman who's the voice of the armor is the actress that plays the character too, right? Yes, Emily Swallow. Yes. I want to look up Emily Swallow after we're done with this. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much it. Did I miss anything? uh yeah we we covered yeah i don't think we missed anything yeah oh wait wait there's one little detail i want to point out and and also i want to give credit to uh star wars explained i watched a really great review from them um also my notes a lot of them were taken from a um article written by uh fuck. it wasn't written by fuck it was written by uh, uh john saavedra from den of geek so i want to give him credit too i never want to like take credit for other people's work but um I picked up on this. I didn't need his article for this, but uh, at the very end when the Mandalorians are given their land, there's like Bullock Canyon. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's like a reference to Jeremy Bullock, the you know guy who played the original Boba Fett. So I thought that's cool. That is a very cool little note. Uh, I actually, I, I heard the line is Bullet Canyon. Oh, yeah. So I, I absolutely did not pick up on it at all. Right, right. Which is weird because like in Star Wars, they don't usually use bullets, you know? Yeah. So you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but like you name it a bullet cannon. That they do that kind of shit in comics all the time where they're like, oh, it's Finger Road, or you know, it's Brew Baker Lane, you know, yeah. always referencing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's this episode. Brian and I are desperately trying to figure out what else to cover before the next MCU show comes out, which I think you said was Secret Invasion, right? Yeah, I thought I said it was mid-June, right? I, I believe so, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so we have a good like six week gap of content. <laughs> Maybe there's a movie coming out in that time frame, but um, yeah. yeah, Flash has to be coming out, right? 
I, I think Fla May? Flash is coming out. Yeah. And Flash um, and Guardians, right? That sounds no, right. Flash is I don't remember anymore. <laughs> he's gonna look that shit up. While he's looking it up though, I'll tell you what we were considering. Uh we were considering like kind of re-watching DC EU movies that lead up to the Flash. Um, because like Danny and I over on my other channel, the Lassocast are doing movies that are kind of connected to uh, Evil Dead Rise, which is coming out April 21st. And so, we're you know, we just covered Drag Me to Hell. We're going to cover Dark Man, like Sam Raimi kind of things. Uh, we did Evil Dead 2013. So, like, I, I kind of would like to do that on this channel, too, where we sort of watch things that are related to upcoming shows or movies. Oh, you got so the dates? The, the, first, the first thing we're going to get is Guardians, actually. Okay. Um, you know, I, it, it might not be bad to revisit Guardians. I mean, you Fuck. know, especially since Guardians 2 is one of our favorite favorites that we agree on that most people don't. Fuck um, yeah, that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, because my goal is ultimately to kind of cover everything and just have it on this channel if anyone has, ever wants to check it out. You know, like all the MCU movies, all the DC movies. So, yeah, yeah that's I actually like that idea a lot, too. We'll, we'll talk about that, you know, off yep. camera. <laughs> But yeah, but anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching. And uh, we might have more content, but we'll definitely be back here for more Mandalorian uh, next week. So, so see you all then. Uh-oh. Is that Arrow barking over there? Yep.